would run the government and exercise supervision over virtually every aspect of society. But the road to that goal turned out to be a complicated one. Although the Quran offers a comprehensive ethical and political blueprint for society, it offers little practical detail on the ins and outs of administering a modern nation-state. For all its philosophical and poetic richness, the Holy Book of Islam has little to say about the specifics of monetary policy, exchange rates, or agricultural subsidies. So the course of the Iranian Revolution ricocheted through abstruse scriptural debates, outbursts of violence, and the constraints of the possible, a history that bequeathed to the new Islamic Republic a range of eccentric political arrangements that make it a strikingly unpredictable place to this day. It should come as little wonder that Khomeini found the path to be so tortuous. In this respect, the Islamic Revolution was untraveled territory, not only to outsiders, but also to its founders. The upheaval in Iran had an explosive effect on the rest of the Islamic world. This was most apparent in Afghanistan, its neighbor to the east. Here, too, the decision-makers in both Washington and Moscow initially overlooked the impact of religion. When the doddering Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev and his Politburo colleagues decided to send their troops across the border on Christmas Day 1979 to quash a revolt against the country's recently installed communist regime, Western observers instinctively recalled earlier episodes of the Cold War. Moscow's grab for Kabul, they said, was simply a repetition of earlier interventions in Hungary in 1956 or Czechoslovakia in 1968, when Russian tanks had crushed local anti-communist rebellions. The powers that be in Washington immediately assumed that the Russians were seizing an opportunity to make an aggressive thrust toward the strategically vital Persian Gulf. The old men in the Kremlin actually had more modest motives. They were desperate to shore up the crumbling 20-month-old communist regime, which had succeeded in the course of its brief life in alienating just about everyone in the country. The KGB even suspected the Afghan communist leader, Moscow's own client, of hatching covert plans to court the West. But both Washington and Moscow failed to predict the forces that the invasion would unleash. Here, too, the insurgent power of revivalist Islam took observers by surprise. Some commentators, recalling Afghanistan's history of resistance to foreign invaders, speculated that fanatical Muslims would prove a match for the Russians. But what loomed in their minds was the image of the romantic tribal fighters who had given the British Empire such difficulties in the 19th century. What no one foresaw was how the odd fusion of Islam and late 20th century revolutionary politics, a formula whose mostly Sunni version in Afghanistan had much in common with the fervor stirred up by Khomeini's Shiite followers, would combust into a strange new kind of global religious conflict. It is true that the Afghan revolt against communist rule initially took the form of a traditional tribal uprising. But events soon demonstrated the power of the odd new phenomenon known as Islamism. Within the space of just a few years, this religious insurgency would supplant Marxism and secular nationalism as the dominant opposition ideology of the Middle East. This revivalist spirit was not restricted to the world of Islam. 
There were Westerners, too, who believed that it was time for religion to reassert itself against the onslaught of secularization. In October 1978, the College of Cardinals that had come together in Rome to elect a pope had jolted the world by settling upon a pole, Karol Wojtyła, the Archbishop of Krakow. The new pontiff, who chose the name John Paul II, was a virtual unknown even to the faithful in St. Peter's Square who had assembled to hear the outcome of the election. News commentators and Vatican officials mispronounced his name. Their confusion was understandable. He was the first non-Italian to become Bishop of Rome since the Dutchman Adrian VI was chosen for the job 457 years earlier. But it was the politics of the Cold War that really made Wojtyła's selection momentous. As a priest who came from behind the Iron Curtain, he had spent his entire career confronting the political and spiritual challenge of communism. Just seven months after